Hey, Church Online, thanks for joining us today. You know, earlier this week, my son sent me a text that said, it's not Bayesian, it's Asian. Before moving any further, I probably need to explain a couple things. So number one, I am half Asian. Many of you know this. Many of you can tell by just looking at my face, uh, or you could guess by my last name, which is Lim. I'm half Mexican, but I am also Japanese, Chinese, and Filipino. Another thing is that on Monday, my son got a C plus on his test, and this was his way of saying, I know, Dad, I'm supposed to get better grades. I'm Asian. So in case you were wondering, yes, it is true that Asians put a high value on good grades. I mean, I always got good grades. I was expected to. I had the top grade in my math class. I mean, I I took AP Calculus 2 in high school. But I got to be honest, after the 10th grade, I stopped paying attention in class. But each year, I advanced into a higher math without really progressing in my learning. And now some of that I was able to do based on natural ability, but most of it was from having a solid understanding of math. I had built a good foundation that helped me figure things out. Building upon a solid foundation can make a huge difference. Now today, as we continue in the book of Mark, Jesus is going to teach us something foundational. And I believe that if we listen It'll help us figure out things as we try to live in the kingdom of God. And so let's get started by reading today's passage. Mark chapter 4 begins this way. It says, And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no, no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me stop here for a second. There are a few things I want us to notice. Number one, Jesus was always teaching, he emphasized instruction as part of of the coming kingdom. And this is because sin, which is in the world and in us, messed up our thinking. We need to be retaught. And so you may notice that here at the River Church, we teach the Bible. We don't just share funny and inspirational stories. We give instruction based on God's word. And we do that because Jesus did that and we're followers of him. Number two, Jesus taught using Parables. Parables are a form of teaching that use familiar concepts in a story to help people learn important kingdom principles. But parables also have the potential to intentionally create confusion. Now, more on that in just a bit. Finally, notice that when the sower spreads seed, the seed falls on four different kinds of ground. 
and each type of ground affected the impact of the seed. Let's keep moving. Verse 10 says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word of God, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. There is a lot here, but let's start with the elephant in the room. Did Jesus really tell his disciples that he was teaching in parables because he didn't want some to understand? Yes, he did. And that sounds kind of mean. It, it doesn't sound consistent with Jesus's mission. Like when he says, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I mean, if God loves the entire world and Jesus came for the purpose of inviting people into the kingdom, then why would he want people to not understand? That doesn't make sense. But think about something that Jesus said earlier. Mark chapter 2 says, Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In that passage, Jesus compares two groups, the righteous and sinners. By biblical definition, righteous means right with God, and if you will, sinner means wrong with God. Yet strangely, in this statement, Jesus puts the positive on the sinner and the negative on the righteous. This is because many times people think they are right with God when they're not. And this self-righteousness actually closes them off. It gives them a hard heart toward God. On the other hand, the sinner, the one who is broken by sin and desperately cries out to God, is open to salvation. And remember, apart from Christ, we are all sinners deserving God's wrath. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We should all be humble and honest about our sin and hungry for salvation. But the reality is, many aren't. Actually, many think they are good. They say, you know, me and the big man upstairs, we're homies. He, he knows my heart. Or they say, I'm a good person. My good works outweigh my bad works. But in Mark chapter 4, what Jesus teaches us is that parables help us see 
which group we belong to because sometimes that's not clear to ourselves. And that's what makes this teaching foundational. So, when you hear his parables and respond with faith and obedience, it's clear that you are open to the kingdom of God. However, when you hear his parables and think, ah, that doesn't apply to me, or what the heck is he talking about? There might be a problem. Something might be wrong with your heart. Now, I got to mention this because otherwise a bunch of true followers of Jesus are going to be worried. I don't mean that when you put your faith in Jesus, you automatically understand everything in the Bible. We know that's not true. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes the Bible is super confusing. I mean, it should be. It was written thousands of years ago in different languages to different cultures. Plus, the Bible says that you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate it for you just so you can make sense of it. Now, the gospel... The good news is simple, but it takes hard work and the power of God to understand the Bible. I mean, I have a master's degree in theology. That's that certificate right here. And I still get confused. So what I am saying is that biblical parables show our reception and response to God's word, which then reveals the true condition of of our hearts. And that condition of our hearts and understanding where we are, that's foundational because it will it will show whether or not we are willing to participate in the kingdom of God. And isn't that what Jesus explained in the parables of the soil? He said, hey, you know, sometimes God's word is preached and the people hear it, but then the devil snatches us up. That's because the seed falls on concrete. It falls on the path. It's like it has no impact. And sometimes our heart is like concrete. We hear God's word and that, and that seed instantly bounces off of us and is taken away. And sometimes we hear God's word and we think, wow, you know, that, that was a great sermon. I think I'll start to follow Jesus. But then circumstances cause us to say, you know what, I don't know about following Jesus. Never mind. God's word never takes root. Why? Because it, it reveals that our heart is too hard. We initially started well, but the soil is still too hard. And in a similar way, sometimes we like what Jesus has to say and we're ready to, to change how we live in response to it, but we like the temporary pleasures of this world more. Now, whether we actually verbalize it or not, by our actions, we say, God, you know, I, I like you. I like what you got to say. It makes sense. But I love this world too much. I love this world more. And that reveals that our heart is still too hard. But sometimes a miracle happens. God's word hits soft soil and a life is radically transformed and faith and obedience follows. And there's fruit. There's this harvest of good works that's sourced from a transformed and good heart. And so why does Jesus teach in parables? Because he's giving instruction, but he's also showing people the condition of their heart so that they may respond appropriately. And the hope is, is that if God's word reveals that your heart is hard, you will realize that and then repent and cry out to Jesus to save you. And 
I've always thought that this was the main point of this parable. And then usually I go on to make an application point that says, hey, you need to consider what the condition of your heart is. And so how do you respond to the teaching of God's word? Do you reject it or do you receive it? And then what does that say about the condition of your heart, you little hard-hearted sinners? And I may also throw in there the fact that, you know what, Jesus, he teaches the reality that many are going to reject the gospel. I meant three out of four of the soils were unreceptive. And Jesus said elsewhere, wide is the path to destruction and many find it. Narrow is the path to life and few find it. And I'd go in that direction. But after studying this week, I think I'd be wrong because that that's not the main point here. And it's not that those principles aren't found in this passage or aren't important to this passage because they are. They are truly honest questions that we should ask ourselves and each other in response to this parable. But it's not the big idea. I believe the main point is this, and it's point number one. It's that there will be a harvest. The emphasis of this parable isn't on people's rejection. It's on the coming of the kingdom of God, the salvation of many people. It's on the harvest. Yes, there will be rejection, but Jesus wanted us to know something more important. He wanted wanted us to know that I am coming to save. I am coming to make things right. I am bringing a kingdom that cannot be stopped, and I will accomplish my purposes. As Isaiah 55 says, for as rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Sure, three out of four soils were hard and rejected the seed and and that seems significant, but what is truly significant is the soil that produced the harvest. It produced 30, 60, even a hundred times what was planted, as the New Living Translation puts it. And, and, and think about the fact that the parable doesn't say that seed was equally distributed among the four soils. It says the sower scattered seed in his field, and some just happened to fall on hard ground. But even with that, let's just pretend that the seed was equally distributed. So even if only 25% fell on good soil, the multiplication of the harvest more than makes up for it. And so my previous thinking on this parable may have unintentionally given the impression of failure and even ineffectiveness of the seed, but what I now see actually gives me confidence in the power of the gospel, in the power of the seed. It makes me think of Romans 1, what says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And this should greatly encourage us. It should greatly encourage uh, our currently small church plant. Yes, we live in an area that seems to be hard ground, but so what? Jesus is here and his word is being preached. And you know what that means? It means the harvest is coming, that the kingdom of God is coming to Glastonbury and New England and that gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
I believe that's one of the main points of the following parable because Mark 4 goes on to say, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I, I realize I'm starting to run out of time and I still have a lot of ground to cover, but I'm just going to get to to this main point. And it's this, Jesus is the lamp and his light will shine. It will not be covered. It will not be hindered. It will not be hidden. It will accomplish the purpose that it was sent for. And again, what that means is that the harvest will come. And so here's what I want to ask us again. How do we respond to God's word? Only this time, I don't want us to filter that question through the lens of rejection. I want us to filter it through the perspective of the guaranteed harvest, that God has come to save this world, that he wants people to be fruitful, and he wants, he promises that the harvest is coming. But when we we think about that, do we believe it? Do we act like, do we live like we believe it? Because our answer to this question will impact our participation in the kingdom. It'll change how or even if we live for Jesus. Because few people want to join a failing team. But people get excited about being part of something that has radical victory over the darkness and gives life to this world. And that's what Jesus declares about the coming harvest. However, let me share a few more things that we need to understand about the kingdom that will help us believe for the harvest. Verse 26 goes on to say, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he does not know how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And when he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable uh, shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Point number two is we need to know that the harvest will, will grow. Now, this is foundational to properly embracing the harvest. We got to know that it will grow. That being said, we must understand there is a process to harvest growth that Jesus clarifies in in the passage I just read. And if we miss this, we may make wrong interpretations about the harvest or the lack thereof. So three things for us. Number one, understand that harvest growth is dependent on God. Though our efforts matter because God chooses to partner with us, God is the one who is ultimately giving the growth. Therefore, 
when we look around and we don't see the harvest growing, we can still be confident because we know God is at work and he's responsible for the growth. That's his business. We simply sow the seeds. We do our part and then we can trust him to do the rest. Therefore, let me encourage you, do not let the lack of visible growth discourage your kingdom participation. All right, number two, understand that a healthy harvest is a progression. Progressions take time and they include steps of growth. I know that we would all uh, love to see the kingdom of God just explode in our lives and in our church, in our community. And sometimes that does happen. Radical growth can happen in the kingdom of God, but usually it takes time for healthy things to grow. So when you're looking at yourself and your personal growth, know that there will be a progression. That discipleship is a direction, not a destination. That you're not perfect, but you are being perfected. Sanctification, or the process of becoming more like Jesus, who is perfect, is a lifelong progression. It's going to take time. It's going to take steps. Now, considering church growth, there's a progression too. Like in our church, we started invisible. There was no team. There was no church that existed. Then a seed went out, just a calling, but there was still no visibility. But then there was a sprout. A small church team started. Now it's growing and producing fruit. And soon, you know what's going to happen? There will be a harvest. How do I know? Because Jesus said the harvest will come and the growth will be significant. Like a mustard seed that starts off small, it's going to soon explode in growth and declare on its own the kingdom of God is here. And so, do you believe this? That's the question that the disciples had to answer. Uh, Going on to verse 35, it says, On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him and with uh, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. And he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Final point, point number three is, Do you trust the Lord of the harvest? Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust what he says? What's your answer? Because Mark chapter 4 teaches this foundational truth, that the kingdom of God is coming, that the harvest is coming. Jesus promises this. Nothing, therefore, can stop it. But do we believe it? Because we won't be a part of it unless we believe it. And so do we believe it? Will we be a part of it? Or will we be hard-hearted and reject it? As we close, if you find after honest examination that you are currently not responding the correct way to God's word, I have good news for you. You can change 
that response. God has given you the power to do that. God wants you to do that. He wants you to be a part of his harvest, and he's made a way for you to change your heart, for your hard heart to become soft, and that way is Jesus. That's why he died on the cross. It was to pay for your sins and make a way for you to be saved, a way for you to be changed. And and so if you would like to do that today, if you would like to change your life today, don't wait, but turn from your sin, turn away from that old life and put your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on that cross. Ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. Now, for the rest of us, maybe those of us who already belong to the harvest, I want us to remember Jesus' word, verse 25. He says, For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Here's my encouragement. Keep receiving God's word by faith. And be ready for him to give you more when you do that. Don't trust in the circumstances and the things that you can see. Don't don't only put your hope in that. But believe the Lord of the harvest. And then expect more fruit. Expect a harvest in your life. Why? Because he promises that it's coming. And so don't give up or grow cold or grow content. Expand the kingdom of God. Have confidence in the gospel and then do the work because there is more work to do. There is more harvest to reap. And so keep sowing the the seed in the fields that God has put you in. Pray and then wherever you are, wherever God sends you, look for opportunities to share Jesus with the people in your life. And additionally, maybe in this process, you also need to change the outlook that you have on your community because remember, Jesus, the Lord of harvest, is here. And so instead of focusing on all the rejection of the gospel that's happening in your community. Instead, believe that because you are here and because Jesus is with you, that that, that the God of the harvest will produce the harvest. Believe that he has you, a follower of Jesus and a worker of the harvest in that field for a reason. And that reason is you are part of his plan. You are his sower to spread the kingdom of God. And so be patient and faithful. And when you do, I believe that you are gonna see harvest. Again, I believe that God is bringing a great harvest here to Glastonbury and New England. And so will you build, will I build my life upon that foundational truth? Let's pray. Father, we want to see your harvest. We want to be a part of it. We want to see our loved ones be a part of it. And we believe based on your word that it's coming. And so, Holy Spirit, move upon our lives and in our communities to soften our hearts, that we would receive your word and see your kingdom come. And may the name of Jesus be lifted high. May many call upon his name for salvation, including us, if that's what needs to happen in our lives today, so that there would be a great harvest here in our community. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for Church Online. If this was your first time, fill out a Connect card. We would love to say hi to you. We'll even send you a little gift. Also, if you have any prayer requests, would like to know more about the River Church, or if you have decided to give your life to Jesus today, if you have decided to be part of the harvest, we want to hear from you, and there's an easy way to do that on our website, riverchurchct.com, or you can follow the links in the comments below, or you can text the keyword TRC Connect to 94000. 
God bless you. Have a wonderful day.